Welcome to a very special edition of the Sharp Angles podcast. This is one of my favorite episodes of the year, and that is because we bring in two of the simply very best, most accurate, historically, mock drafters from the country in these guys are both writing for sharpfootballanalysis.com. And before I introduce them momentarily, I just want you guys to know, you can go up to sharpfootballanalysis.com and view their current mock drafts and all the analysis that they have stating why they like a certain player to match up with that team at that selection. But Thursday morning is when the final mocks are due for the huddle report. That's where these guys both rank inside the top three over the last five years in mock draft accuracy. And we will post those mocks up on sharpfootballanalysis.com on Thursday morning. So if you want to find out what they ultimately think at the last second, where they've paired each player to team match, you go up to the sharpfootballanalysis.com and check that out on Thursday. Okay, let's dive right into it, guys. We've got Ryan McChrystal on the top of the screen. He's number three in mock draft accuracy over the last five years. We've got number one in mock draft accuracy, Brendan Donahue, right in the middle. I'm, of course, at the bottom of the screen, and I highly encourage you guys Follow these guys on Twitter as well. We're going to be doing a lot of other draft content throughout the course of the week, so you guys can keep track of them right now. But, gentlemen, I just want to know before we get in, because I want to spend most of the draft, most of this time talking about the draft, but some time, and I think, Ryan, maybe you think a little bit differently than that. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly uncertainty at the very top of the board, which makes us a little bit less confident, but I don't think it's going to be – quite as unpredictable as some people are saying, just because if you sort of look at the top 10 as a whole, I think, you know, if I were to list 10 players right now, I think I'd feel very confident about at least seven or eight of them. So matching them to teams is always tricky. It's tricky every year, but I don't think we're going to be shocked at like necessarily the, the big picture order in which these guys come off the board. Brendan, how about you? How do you feel overall about this draft as compared to the last couple? Yeah, I think there's a little bit more uncertainty in this draft. Um, I think we do know overall the top 20, 25 players with um, some pretty high confidence. But the difference between this year and last year's draft, it seems that there's just not that consensus at, at each position like there was last year. And last year we knew who the first quarterback was going to be, who the first running back was going to be, wide receiver, tight end, offensive tackle. This year um, they really don't have that. So even though we might know that a team is going to go offensive tackle with their first pick, we don't know, you know, exactly who that's going to be. It seems to be all in the, the eye of the beholder this year. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to do for this uh, podcast is we're going to, I'm going to flip a coin. It's a quarter right here, heads or tails. And Ryan is going to call it in the air. If Ryan is correct, he gets to choose if he wants to go first or second in the mock draft. Uh, does he want to defer or receive the ball? And uh, at that point, we're going to alternate back and forth between Ryan and Brendan picking who they think the team is going to select with the pick. You can throw in some of your logic as to whether or not you, you, you feel that they should go in a different direction, but you think ultimately they're going to end up with this particular player. We're going to run through one to 32 like that. We're going to have no trades. You can comment if you think it might happen a trade down or whatnot, but we're going to do this. No trades. I'm keeping track of it here on the spreadsheet and let's go ahead and get started. So with that said, I'm going to flip this quarter, Ryan, you can see it on the screen. Call it in the air. Tails. It is tails. All right. Tails I is want... what it was. So, <laughs> Ryan, what do you want to do? I want no part of making the number one decision. So I'm going to defer and I'm going to defer and let Brendan handle that one. <laughs> I'm um, All right, Brendan, go ahead. You are the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're on the clock. Who do you think they're selecting number one? Well, as of this morning, I was going to go Trayvon Walker. Um, I was going to capitulate to all the reports and the buzz that that is the pick. Um, but right before we got on, I saw a tweet from you um, talking about how it seems that there's a divide in the building. The divide is now between GM and the owner. And the owner is the one who wants Hutchinson. And if you're going to go against your boss, you better be right. And I'm not sure that Trent Baalke 
um, has that long of a leash to begin with there. So it's not like the owner is the one that wants him to reach for somebody that's not the consensus top pick. I mean, the on on draft boards, uh, I track you know a few different ones, and Hutchinson is the consensus number one pick. Um, I think it's been overblown a bit about how much of a athlete that Trayvon Walker is, and it's kind of downplayed what the type of athlete that that Aiden Hutchinson is. Um, I looked up; he had a 9.87 relative athletic score, which was 19th best ever in the history of the database. I mean, the biggest change, the biggest difference between um, Hutchinson and Walker in terms of athletic traits is just their arm length, which Balky has, he does have a history of leaning into that and that's what he looks for. So if he's going to, you know, risk his job security on about three inches of arm length, you know, he might, he might do it, but um, that report that you, that you just shared earlier today has me thinking that at the end of the day, Hutchinson is still going to be the pick at one. I know the betting markets changed Hutchinson for the first time since they put out the odds um, recently that he's now the second favorite. Walker is now, as of this taping, is now minus 150 on DraftKings to be the, the number the number one pick. Um, but I think if push comes to shove there in Jacksonville on draft night, that they still they still might go Hutchinson with one. The last time I refreshed FanDuel, Hutchinson was minus 175 to go number one. And right now, Trayvon Walker is minus 175. And for those of you that have been under a rock all day, the reason that Hutchinson is now number two and Walker is now number one is simply because Peter King released his mock draft last night, which showed that Walker was going to go number one. Now, it was interesting how he couched it because he did say, expect a surprise out of the Jaguars. And then he listed that it's most likely in his mind going to be Walker. To me, that's not really a surprise. All the good mock drafts that I've seen have been battling either Hutchinson or Walker. So when a guy is basically 50% likely to go number one, not the betting, the betting markets weren't indicating that, but the mock drafts themselves were suggesting it, uh, that now you'd simply say Walker going first is like this massive surprise. Uh, not not today, not as of this week. I mean, maybe a month ago, yes, that would absolutely have been a surprise, but it's not a surprise right now. Um, let's move on to uh, – so I'm going to mark in here Aiden Hutchinson, and we'll move on to Ryan. You are picking for the Detroit Lions at number two. Who would you? Who do you think they're going to select? Yeah, so if Hutchinson goes number one, um, they're first they're going to try to trade down. Uh, they're going to make a couple last-minute calls and see if anybody wants to jump up for Walker or maybe Kayvon Thibodeau. If they stay put, the decision comes down to Trayvon Walker or Kayvon Thibodeau, I believe. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback, partially because they have that second first-round pick, and if there's someone that they really love, they know that they can probably jump up in the first round again and potentially end up with two picks in the top half of the first round if they feel like they really need a quarterback. So I'm going to assume, since we're not predicting trades, and they probably won't get a good trade offer anyway, that we're deciding between Thibodeau and Trayvon Walker here. And I think I'm going to go with Trayvon Walker because, you know, just piecing together some of the things that GM Brad Holmes has said over the years about how much he values character and how much he values work ethic. I think he might stay away from Thibodeau and feel like Walker's a little bit of the safer pitch. So that's the direction I'm going to go. Just to real quick play devil's advocate and just say the argument for Thibodeau would be you only get so many opportunities to draft a player like Kayvon Thibodeau. And in terms of talent and production, there's no, there's no comparison between the two. Thibodeau has been a dominant player in college and Walker has not. So you only get so many options to draft a Kayvon Thibodeau. And so he may say, yeah, the character is not quite what we want, but let's just, let's just take this opportunity to get a stud and we'll figure, we'll figure out the, we'll figure out how we fit him into our locker room later. But um, knowing that that is a question mark with Thibodeau, I'll, I'll go with Walker. All right, Brendan, here we are. Hutchinson is off the board. Walker's off the board. You're picking number three for the Houston Texans. What do you think they're going to do on Thursday night? Well, I'm buying the recent hype. They've done a lot of homework uh, on their cornerbacks. They've met with Sauce Gardner multiple times. They've met with Derek Stingley multiple times. Um, I know it's not typically something that Lovey Smith does, but Nick Casario coming from 
Patriots system, uh, when they've had their best defenses, it's usually built around uh, a shutdown corner. So it's hard to be more of a shutdown corner than what Sauce Gardner was in college, seeing as he never gave up a receiving touchdown in his collegiate career. So I'm going to go with Sauce Gardner to the Texans at three. Okay, so right now, Gardner is five and a half under minus 25 as his draft prop. And, you know, you guys, neither of you had him going in your last mock draft release last week. And so it'll be interesting to see if you end up with him here on Thursday with your final mock draft. People can go to sharkfootballanalysis.com on Thursday to go check it out. So Ahmad Gardner is off the board at three overall. Now the Jets are on the board. Joe Douglas with the first of two first-round picks, first of two top 10 picks. Ryan, what do you think Douglas is going to prioritize with his fourth pick of the draft? Yeah, so my hunch here with the Jets is they probably want to come out of the first round with an edge rusher and a receiver. Um, And with Kayvon Thibodeau being on the board still, I think that that's a pretty easy selection. They get a premier pass rusher. Um, there's a much bigger drop-off from Kayvon Thibodeau to the next pass rushers on the board in this scenario than there is with, say, Garrett Wilson to the next wide receivers. He's going to be pretty confident that, assuming we're correct and that thinking that they want to get a wide receiver, even if Wilson's off the board at 10, he'll have another crack at somebody who's uh, going to fit their offense really well. So Thibodeau's a pretty easy decision here. Okay, so they get their edge rusher right off the board at number Four, we have three edge rushers going in the top four, which is something that we thought might be the case. And Thibodeau sneaks under his current draft prop, which is four and a half. Now we're down to the Giants. They, too, have the first of two picks in the top ten. In fact, they're going to go five and seven. And actually, because of the way we're doing this mock draft, Brandon, you're picking both picks for the Giants. Each of your next two picks are going to be for the Giants. So who do you think that they will take at number five? And it's important to denote that at number five, this is a big pick because from a draft props perspective, most of these markets that we see up here with which team is going to use their first pick on this position, that matters uh, who they do here, who they take here, because It's only going to count pick five. It's not going to count their pick seven in that marketplace. And also the Carolina Panthers are sitting there at pick number six. And Carolina has been rumored to be going in a variety of different directions. Uh, But let's hear what you think that the Giants will do with their fifth pick. And I guess I will sprinkle in here. Do you also agree with Ryan that I know your last mock had Kayvon Thibodeau going at number four, that he would be the Jets pick at number four? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And a note on his draft prop position, he was five and a half uh, a few days ago, and he's moved down to four and a half. Um, and I know it's been a popular pick that I've seen um, from guys that have been putting some money down on this. Thibodeau has been a top five lock for about a week now. So, yeah, I think definitely Jets would be would be ecstatic to have him at four. Okay, and at five for the Giants? Where do yeah, you think in terms they of go? the Giants, um, to your point, I think, um, you know, they, with such a, with Carolina behind them, it has such a need at, at offensive tackle. I mean, if they do prefer, there's, you know, three that have set themselves apart as the top tier. If there's one that they really prefer, I don't see why they would take a chance that Carolina just stays at six and, and picks that, that particular lineman. So, um, you know, I've, I've done an informal survey with some of my buddies that are Giants fans and the one consensus they, they say that from these two picks that they have at five and seven, is that they have to come away with an offensive tackle with one of them. Um, so with that, I'm going to go with Evan Neal, actually, with their fifth pick, um, basically because what the reports are that they want to keep Andrew Thomas at left tackle. Of these three guys, the one that has displayed that he can, in fact, play right tackle is Evan Neal. And there is that connection with Dave Ball to Alabama, so... Seems like he'd be a safe pick, just plug and play him at right tackle for his first year. Offensive lineman to be selected first by the Giants is the favorite. It's at uh, minus 120 right now. Minus at 120. Okay, yeah. I know that that's been all over the place. I thought it was at even money at some point, um, but minus 120. Okay, so 
that does seem pretty logical if they're trying to steal something from the Carolina Panthers. Ryan, do you agree that that would be what they would be looking to do with pick number five is going O-line? And then where do you think the Panthers are going to go at six if the Giants did leapfrog them, for not leapfrog them, but take an O-lineman directly in front of them? Yeah, going offensive line definitely makes sense. Although I will say in this scenario that we've created for the Giants, where they have their pick of all the offensive linemen, but they may now see, well, if they like three of them, you're going to be guaranteed to have someone available at seven. So maybe there's another position, like maybe edge rusher is a position that they now see as more of a premium uh, spot for them to get at number five. So if they don't go offensive line, I think that this would be the scenario where it could happen. But otherwise, yeah, they have to get an offensive line at one of these two picks. So now with Carolina, they're kind of in the same situation. I know people are going to bring up quarterback here, but there's just there's no way to justify taking a quarterback because they don't have another pick until the fourth round. So whoever you draft, if you draft a quarterback at six, you're putting him on the roster right now as is behind that offensive line as is. And that's going to be an absolute mess. Uh, and it's certainly not going to save Matt Rule's job. If he drafts a quarterback at six, he's fired. Um, so I think the – well, first of all, they want to trade down. We know that. They might not be able to. Um, but if they stay put and have to use this pick, it's an offensive lineman. So with Neil off the board, I'm choosing between Charles Cross and Ikea Kwanu. That's a really tough call. I, I think I'm going to have to go with a Kwanu, though. He seems like maybe a slightly safer pick, I think, uh, in the interview process, he's had pretty much rave reviews from everybody. So I think that there's a really good chance Carolina likes him and he'd be a, a good fit for them there. So interestingly enough, uh, Evan Neal is plus 150 to be the first offensive lineman selected. Before I toss it back to Brendan to give us the Giants second pick, I want to ask you, Ryan, do you think that the Giants would go Evan Neal with this fifth pick if they are O-linemen? Do you think that that is their favorite if they have the choice of anybody on the board or do we, or do you have no speculation on that at this point? I would probably lean towards Ikea Kwanu, but if I were going to like place a percentage on it, I'm like, I'm pretty close to 33% for all three of them. I might be like 36% Ikea Kwanu and like just ever so slightly lower on the other two. Okay. Got it. All right, Brendan, now it's back to you. Giant second pick. Pick number seven overall, who are they going to draft, do you think? I think this could be a a spot, another place that they could look to trade down if the price is right. I think they want to add some draft capital for next year and what's going to be a more top-heavy quarterback draft class. Um, But if they don't, it sounds like James Bradbury is most likely going to be out the door at some point in this offseason. So I'm going to go with... Uh, Derek Stingley, who at one point was considered to be not only just the top cornerback coming into this draft class, but potentially the the best overall player. Um, So I think they refer back to that 2019 freshman tape that he had, that he was maybe the best cornerback in college as a freshman. Um, And they address uh, a new need at at cornerback. Stingley's been a pretty popular name lately. His draft position's moved from 12 and a half all the way down to nine and a half. And as of right now, the under on the nine and a half is at mi- minus 140. Yeah, he's, it's interesting. He is a heavy, heavy favorite. I think it's minus 275 to be the second cornerback drafted off the board. Ahmad Gardner is the favorite to be the first cornerback drafted off the board. And a top 10 pick right now for Stingley is all the way up to minus 200. So he's minus 200 to be a top 10 pick. And as you mentioned, his position prop has dropped all the way down to nine and a half. Okay, with the Atlanta Falcons at number eight, Ryan, where do you think they're going to? Yeah, this is an interesting spot because there's three players that I've highlighted as uh, possible targets for them. Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, and Kyle Hamilton. And they're all still on the board here for Atlanta. So this is a tough scenario to try to predict for them. I'll go with Garrett Wilson, though, partially because wide receiver is uh, the most glaring need on their roster. One one of many glaring needs, but easily the worst uh, wide receiver room in the whole league right now. Um, So they can add Garrett Wilson. And then also the other factor here is that even if they don't add a quarterback this year, they're going to add a quarterback next year. And so getting a premier talented wide receiver onto the roster 
potentially pairing him with Calvin Ridley, assuming he comes back after his suspension, and then also with Kyle Pitts, you'd be putting a rookie quarterback either later in the draft this year or next year in a really good spot to succeed, I think, a year from now. So I think that is probably the safest route that they could go. So I'll go with Garrett Wilson at number eight. Let me ask you this. From the prop market, we've got Garrett Wilson. He is minus 200 to be a top 10 pick. He is plus 120 to be the first overall receiver selected. And his draft position is nine and a half with the under being juiced at plus 100. What would be, out of those three options, what would be your favorite way to play Garrett Wilson if we do think he could go at number eight to the Seahawks? Yeah, my favorite way to play that would be to take him to be the first wide receiver off the board. And the way that I come to that conclusion is try to put yourself in the GM shoes because it's easy for any one of us analysts to say, like, we really like Jamison Williams. That's kind of the other name that's out there that a lot of people like. And it's easy for us to say that or for fantasy analysts to have him as their number one receiver because if he's healthy, that's totally realistic. But when you're the general manager, you there's consequences for being wrong. And so let's say you like Jamison Williams. The injury is out there. What's the chance that it affects his career? Even if you think it's only like 5 to 10%, like that's still fairly significant. It could affect his career. And now how much better do you think he is than Garrett Wilson? He's not more than 5 to 10% better than Garrett Wilson. No one's going to argue that because they're very similar players. So I, I think that almost everyone will agree Garrett Wilson is the number one wide receiver on the board. I, I think very good chance that – Atlanta, maybe the Jets, maybe Washington, or someone trading up into that range makes Wilson the first receiver off the board. All right, Brandon, the Seattle Seahawks are on the clock at number nine. Who do you think that they are going to draft? Well, our colleagues at Sharp Football Analysis have been doing a great job with all the team needs. Uh, For Seahawks, they have it at quarterback, offensive tackle, edge, and secondary as their top four. Um, I never really got the impression, though, that Seattle's going to seriously consider a quarterback here at nine. So with Charles Crostall on the board, that's, I think they're going to address the offensive line here as he's the last of the top tier of, of offensive tackles here. And the offensive line is the favorite to be the first position selected by Seattle at plus 175. Okay. So a little bit of value there. Now, if he does go at nine, he's going over his draft prop of seven and a half. Uh, but you could get Seattle O-line, as you just mentioned there. So now it's back to the Jets, and it's, Ryan, your chance to pick who you think that the Jets are going to draft here. You picked them drafting Kayvon Thibodeau with number four. Now you get number 10. Where do you think Joe Douglas goes here? Yeah, so based on the scenario we've created where they've already addressed edge rusher, um, we're obviously not going to consider Jermaine Johnson, who's on the board and in other scenarios, which could certainly be a pick for them here. Um, But with that position out of the way, first, they're probably going to trade down. They'd like to acquire some more draft capital. Um, But staying put, I think Jamison Williams makes sense. Now, I just made the case for why Jamison Williams wouldn't be the first receiver off the board. But partially, I mean, a big part of that is how similar he and Garrett Wilson is. So if if you're deciding if you like that type of receiver, you're going to decide with a healthy guy with really similar traits. But now you're in a situation where you're comparing Jamison Williams to the you know bigger, slower, more of the possession receiver in Drake London, or sort of the like big slot guy, a guy who does damage after the catch, but not really a threat downfield in Traylon Burks, um, or Chris Olave, who's not really a threat after the catch, which I think kind of rules him out for the Jets, who definitely want somebody who can uh, do damage on those short, quick passes. And for that reason, just looking at the type of receiver they want. Um, I think Jamison Williams is just a great fit for that offense. And they'll just roll the dice with the injury with Garrett Wilson being off the board. So if Williams does go here, he is plus 120 to go top 10. And I want to ask you, I have my suspicions what you're going to choose, but his over under right now, it was 12 and a half. It is now down to 11 and a half, but it's even money to go under. So you go under 11 and a half or at even money plus 100, or you go plus 120 to go top 10. Where do you think the value is best? Yeah, I mean, with those being so close together, I think just betting the top 10 prop clearly makes the most sense. Okay. Um, So now we're to the Washington Commanders. Their first selection of the day, their only selection of the day. Where do you think they go, Brendan? 
Well, uh, last year's winner of the Huddle Report, Josh Norris, came up with a, a great nugget for them about Ron Rivera and his drafting philosophy. Basically, if he goes to your pro day, there's a very good chance that he is going to end up selecting you. Uh, he went to Ohio State's pro day to look at Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Uh, with Garrett Wilson already off the board at eight, I'm going to go with Chris Olave, uh, Ohio State receiver. Uh, to the commanders. And that was the interesting element here that I was, I was kind of leaning into. And that was if Washington might go wide receiver, you could get Jamison Williams under 11 and a half. It's still plus 100 and be okay. If they go for Jamison Williams. However, the biggest question we now have to ask based on your nugget is did Ron Rivera go to Jamison? I don't even know. Did he have a, a pro day? He's recovering from his ACL. His videos have looked incredible. I think he's, well ahead of uh, his where everybody thought he was going to be at this point. But has there been any whispers of Rivera or Washington linked to Williams whatsoever? Not that not really that I've seen. Okay. All right. Now we're to the Minnesota Vikings. Ryan, who do you think they're going to pick at number 12? So this is a really good scenario for the Vikings because they've got some good options on the board that fits their needs and they're also in a position where a team may be tempted to trade up. And I think knowing that they're a very analytically minded front office, they would probably feel really comfortable moving down a few spots um, and still coming away with a really good player who's high on their board. So they'll try to trade down. If they stay put, I think it's going to come down to Trent McDuffie, Kyle Hamilton, or Jermaine Johnson is still on the board, who we've mentioned a couple times for a couple teams. Um, I don't think edge rusher is a high priority for them, but – you know, they're certainly not going to pass over a great player just because it's not the perfect position match for them. So they would consider him. But in this scenario, I think they'll stick with cornerback and go with Trent McDuffie. It's uh, it's just it fits their needs really well. Um, McDuffie is viewed as a very safe player, which I think, you know, analytically minded front offices tend to uh, go that route. Anytime you got a guy who's viewed as a very safe pick based on the intangibles and everything, and you can pair that with a guy who also tests really well. I think McDuffie checks a lot of boxes for them is a strong possibility. Okay. So we've got three consecutive players who are going under their draft prop um, and going earlier than their expected draft position based on grinding the mocks average of a lot of different mock drafts. Now we're back to the Houston Texans who with their first pick selected sauce Gardner, the cornerback out of Cincinnati. And now they have, their second pick of this first round. This is also the first time that they've had well above average draft capital for years. So they really need to make this pick matter. Who do you think they're going to draft at 13 overall, given this current board, Brendan? Yeah, I think edge is definitely in consideration for them at three. So uh, with Jermaine Johnson still on the board here um, at 13, I think um, he would be the pick. I think some teams are going to be turned off by his age. He's a little bit on the older side of all the prospects in this class. But uh, Nick Casario coming from the Patriots, that's not an issue for them. In fact, they actually tend to lean more towards the the older prospects. So I think this is where his floor might be um, at 13 with the Texans. Okay, so that's his floor. And now we'll go with the Baltimore Ravens. Ryan, who do you think the Ravens are going to draft at 14 with a lot of different options here on the board for them? Yeah, there's a bunch of good options on the board for Baltimore. This is a really good scenario for them. Uh, in the scenario we're creating here, we've got Kyle Hamilton falling a little bit further than I think he's expected to. And I think although it's not a glaring need for Baltimore, they would very much have to consider it. Jordan Davis is also there, but uh, I'm going to go maybe a little bit of a more of a need-based approach here and go with Trevor Penning, uh, the offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. I think he fits their uh, scheme really well. He's a great run blocker. Obviously, we know that's a priority for them. Um, they did sign Morgan Moses to a contract this offseason, but I think that was more of like a let's get somebody in here just in case the draft doesn't fall our way type of signing. And it really they could move on from him after one year. So with Penning being on the board, I, I think that there's a – pretty decent chance that this is the floor for Trevor Penning. And interestingly enough, obviously the Baltimore Ravens, they have not yet signed Lamar Jackson to an extension, uh, but he's going to be making significantly more this year on the tag. 
And then if they do sign him, it's going to be a significant investment into that quarterback position for a guy who is in the pocket an awful lot. You definitely want to protect him and keep him upright. We know their splits when he's not out there versus when he is. The Eagles have two first round picks. They made a trade with the Saints a few weeks ago. So now they sit at pick 15 and pick 18. Ryan gets to do pick 18 for Howie Roseman. Brendan, you get to do pick 15. What do you think he is going to do on Thursday night? I think with the first pick, Howie Roseman is going to go back to the well for a third year in a row with wide receiver. Uh, try to make up with the Jalen Rager miss. Uh, he's hit on Devontae Smith last year. Um, and a nice compliment to him that's still on the board would be uh, Drake London. Okay, so Drake has slipped down the board a little bit here. His draft prop was at 10 and a half. Um, and I've seen some drafts where he, some mocks, where he was the first wide receiver off the board. In fact, we have him as the fourth wide receiver off the board in this draft. Uh, I'm going to toss it to you for what you think the Saints are going to do, Ryan. But do you think that Drake London is potentially going to be the fourth wide receiver off the board, or do you think that we've undervalued him a little bit? No, I think this is very realistic. I mean, just look at how the draft usually falls. The guys who run the fastest go higher. Um, so Drake London is very talented for the type of receiver that he is, but that type of receiver just isn't as valued as much in most offenses. There's certainly an argument to be made that, uh, you know, Ron Rivera has liked big receivers in the past. Maybe Washington takes him. Um, you could also argue that he's a good fit for Arthur Smith's offense in Atlanta. So he could go number eight overall. Like there, there's certainly scenarios where he could go much higher than this, but if he falls, we should not be surprised. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was Peter King who had him going much earlier in his mock than I was anticipating, but we're now to the New Orleans Saints at pick number 16. Ryan, where do you think they go? Yeah, man, this is, we've created a really tough situation for me here uh, because obviously we've got some quarterbacks on the board. Um, we've also got Kyle Hamilton falling much further than uh, he probably would in most scenarios. Um I guess I'm going to go with a quarterback here. I'm not sure if the Saints are going to trade up for a quarterback. Obviously, that's speculating a lot. But I think they might be in a situation where they stay put and they just say, all right, if he falls to us, great. Let's take him. Uh, and if not, that's okay, too. Uh, but in this scenario that we've created, Malik Willis is on the board, and I think he has the traits that uh, the Saints have shown to like. Obviously, you know, they, they kind of – rolled the dice and tried to figure something out with Taysom Hill and his like extremely, you know, enticing uh, athletic ability at quarterback. It hasn't quite worked out. Um, I think also the fact that they went and got James or uh, James Winston was may maybe tips their hand a little bit. So what type of quarterback they want that next guy to be uh, obviously Winston's not the athlete um, running the ball that Willis is, but he certainly has the traits with his arm. Um, and so if the Saints go quarterback, I think Willis is probably the preferred route that they would go just because of like those raw traits. It kind of opens up your offense a lot. So with him sitting there on the board, I don't I don't have a huge amount of confidence. They, maybe they're not going to go quarterback at all this year. Um, but obviously they've done their homework on all of these guys. And so we know they're at least talking about it. So I'll go with Malik Willis at number 16. So prior to this, the last time a quarterback went as low as pick number 16 was the 2013 NFL draft where the Buffalo Bills selected EJ Manuel from that terrible class at pick number 16. So we've got the Saints duplicating that with going Malik Willis at pick number 16. No quarterbacks going in the top 15. And you got to think that the Chargers love that selection, Brendan, because most of these teams that are picking lower are rooting for a lot of quarterbacks to go ahead of them, uh, particularly the Chargers. They already have Justin Herbert. Uh, so the Saints not stealing another offensive lineman or something like that away from the Chargers is definitely something that they would applaud and run with their draft card up. So who do you think is going to be on that draft card when they turn it in at pick number 17? Yeah, to your point, um, I think the one that they are disappointed that went already is Trevor Penning. Uh, 14 to Baltimore. Uh, they do have a need at the right side, both at right tackle and right guard. Since the right tackle um, is that the next right tackle is gone for them in Penning, I think they just switched to right guard with Zion Johnson. Okay, and Zion, both of you guys actually had them going Zion in your mock drafts from 
uh, last week. And so if I'm not mistaken, that marks the fifth offensive lineman to go in the first round. And what was that prop? Seven and a half. I thought it was seven and a half for the offensive line. Um, so we're definitely well on our way to that. And now we're back to the Philadelphia Eagles, Ryan, at pick number 18, their second pick of this first round. Where do you think Howie Roseman goes here? All right. Well, I didn't even write this down on my little uh, – I made like a little small board for each team to prepare for this, and I didn't even write this name down. But Kyle Hamilton's on the board, and by the time the 18th pick rolls around, they're not I, – I just can't see them passing on him. That's just too much of a value even if it's not a position that they're like necessarily trying to get from this first round, I think at this point they just can't walk. They just can't turn their back on him. So it's going to be Kyle Hamilton just purely based on value at this point. Yeah. He has slipped far. He had an expected draft position of 11 and 11.7 in the average of the mocks from grinding the mock. His over under for draft prop is at 10 and a half. Obviously that has been uh, slipping considerably, um, but you finally have the first safety off the board of the draft at pick number 18. And now we are back to the Saints. Brennan, your opportunity here to make a selection. They went quarterback at number 16 in our scenario. So where do you think they go at number 19? Yeah, with uh, quarterback at 16, I'm going to go. Uh, I think they, they do want to address the offensive line with one of these two picks. Uh, they lost Taron Armstead this offseason. Um, a bit of a project, but I think uh, Tyler Smith makes some sense here. Um, I think he does project to be a guard, at least in uh, his rookie year. Um, but they could use help, help all along the line. So they, they'll go Tyler Smith, plug him in at guard, and hopefully he develops into uh, left tackle of the future for them. Okay, so we go Tyler Smith here. I will... Uh, throw it over to Ryan now. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers on the board at pick number 20. Malik Willis has gone already. A need for them was quarterback. Uh, so they have their choice of any other quarterbacks on the board. If they so desire, where do you think they go with pick number 20? Yeah, this is tough. I don't like being the guy that has to pick the quarterbacks because <laughs> uh, if I were the one making the decision, I would not be taking either of those guys in the first round. But it seems like Pittsburgh is feeling desperate. It, it seems like Kevin Colbert with this, you know, being his last year at GM, uh, it seems like he wants to sort of set up his uh, successor in a good spot with the quarterback. Um, I'm not sure he'll actually put him in a good spot with the quarterback based on this selection, but I think he's going to go with Kenny Pickett. It's probably the safe choice. Um, you know, a, a Pittsburgh's a fairly conservative organization when it comes to the draft. Um, so Pickett would be sort of the, the conservative choice at quarterback. You can pretty safely say uh, that he's going to be uh, an Andy Dalton kind of quarterback in the league. I, I don't know that his ceiling is any higher than that at all, so it's not an exciting pick, but I, I don't think he's going to embarrass them if you put him out there at your, as your starter for the next few years. So I'll, I'll go with Kenny Pickett, not feeling super confident about it because it, it's very justifiable for them to pass and just punt this decision onto next year's draft, but – uh, it seems like they're probably going quarterback. So in, in our scenario here, we have two quarterbacks off the board. The first is pick 16 to the Saints. The second is pick 20 to the Steelers. Both these quarterbacks had over-unders on their draft props currently of 10.5 or 12.5. You can go over 12.5 for Kenny Pickett at minus 145. And Willis, you can go over 10.5 at minus 130. So you could actually go uh, and hit both of those with relatively low juice if you wanted to take both of the quarterback overs. Let's pause for a second here since you just answered a question, Ryan. I'm going to ask Brendan first, and I'm going to come back to you. Looking at our draft board, if you're looking at the shared screen and you see who's gone to which teams, in this first 20, who do you think would be having the best draft? if they drafted exactly the way that this board is, which Probably team do you think would feel the best? I think Eagles, if they, if they were to come away with Drake London and Kyle Hamilton, I think they'd be, they'd be pretty happy with this draft so far. Okay. Ryan. Yeah. I mean, that's the easy choice. They get a steal in uh, Hamilton. And plus it's always, it's always easy to, 
lean towards the team that comes with two good players in the top 20. I think any of the teams that picked an offensive tackle, though, I think all of those teams that we paired with the O-linemen filled a need and got a really good player, they'd certainly be considered winners as well. Okay, excellent. All right, so now we're down to pick number 21. Ryan, you've got the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick on the clock for the first time in this draft. Where do you think he goes with pick 21? I think, it's, I think this is actually Brendan, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Brendan. Go ahead. No problem. Uh, yeah, so Patriots, uh, well-respected uh, beat reporter Mike Reese recently said that he thinks Bill's number one preference for this draft or for this spot at 21 is to trade back. Um, but to be fair, I think that's Bill's preference pretty much every year coming into the draft, that he wants to trade down and accumulate more picks. But if he stays at 21, I think, especially with Devin Lloyd still on the board, um, he fills the need. Uh, they have Dante Hightower still uh, unsigned. Um, so he would be uh, my pick for the Patriots at, at 21. Okay, so the Patriots going with the versatile linebacker out of Utah at pick number 21. And now you have a very interesting pick for a lot of fans both in Green Bay and nationwide, in my opinion, because a lot of us, you know, they lost Devontae Adams, but they got back Aaron Rodgers. And it's do they try to appease Aaron Rodgers here? And so there's going to be so much hype once the Patriots turn in their card and the Packers are on the clock to see this first player that the Packers are going to draft. They do pick again at number 28. They also could package these picks and try to trade up the board to select somebody else if they so desired. I think that would be silly. I think they need to go with two picks in the first round here. But at that, any we don't know what's going to happen there. We're not projecting trades in this mock. So, Ryan, with pick number 22, the first of two in the first round, where do the Green Bay Packers go? Yeah, based on where the board falls, this is pretty easy. They're going to take Traylon Burks. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has always done really well when he has a guy in the slot who can get open quickly, and obviously they prefer that to be a guy who does damage after the catch, and Burks does both of those things exceptionally well. He regularly played in the slot at Arkansas. Um, he's really he, he's the type of receiver who, once the ball's in his hand, he looks like a running back, the way he runs with the ball. So he's going to be a great fit for Aaron Rodgers because he excels on those routes in the slot. And then Green Bay is going to love the damage that he can do after the catch because he's so dangerous in that area. Even though he's not a speedster, I don't think that's a problem because it's just of the way that he runs with the ball. I think his game translates really well. I think it's a very high probability that Green Bay likes him. And in this scenario that we've created, he's really the last of that top tier of receivers on the board. So it becomes a pretty easy decision. And his draft position prop is 23 and a half with the under at only minus 110 so he's right ahead of that number they they basically are pairing that right between the cardinals who pick next and the dallas cowboys who pick at 24 so uh, you do have a couple of wide receiver position needy teams sitting right under 23 and a half uh, for some value there and opportunities to get burks if that does end up happening so with pick number 23 and a wide receiver going off the board there to the Green Bay Packers at number 22. Brendan, where do you think that the Arizona Cardinals may turn? Yeah, I probably would have gone Burks there. Um, there's some reports that Arizona would like to give Kyler another weapon. Um, but with him off the board, I'm going to switch to defense and fill a need that Chandler Jones just uh, left for them. Uh, I'll go George Karlaftis. Uh, the edge out of Purdue. Uh, I've heard that he's kind of dropping down boards, but he's got a lot of metrics that teams typically look for. So um, I still expect him to go in the first round, even though there's some rumors out there. I think Tony Pauline said um, he's hearing that he might slip down to the second round, but he feels a pretty big need for uh, Arizona. His draft prop was at 19 and a half. I'm now seeing it down to 22 and a half. It would still be going over if he slipped to 23. Uh, but that's where Karloftis is definitely has seen some movement in the market recently. Now we're down to Jerry Jones. Where do you think Jerry Jones is going to go? A pick number 24, Ryan. Yeah, I think this board has actually fallen not very favorably for Dallas because they're a candidate to take a receiver, but the big five names are all off the board. Um, they're also probably in the market for offensive line help, and we've seen a bunch of those guys come off the board. But there is, fortunately, there's one name left, and that's Kenyon Green, uh, who could play guard or right tackle, uh, depending on 
you know, where you want to try them out. I think that flexibility is certainly appealing to Dallas, um, knowing that they like, uh, you know, guys who can be like maulers in the run game. I think they're going to like Kenyon Green. So they're probably not too disappointed that he's on the board, but they would certainly like more options. But in this scenario, I think it's pretty easy. He's really the only guy left who's probably in their top tier of players they're targeting. Yeah, so let's see. At this point, we are at pick number 24. We've had four tackles go. We've had Zion Johnson, interior offensive lineman, go. We've had Tyler Smith go, and we've had Kenyon Green go. So that's seven offensive linemen at this point, and we're at pick number 24. Again, that draft prop was at seven and a half. Let me just double check what the juice is there. Seven and a half. Under was minus 200, over was plus 155. So if another O-lineman slips in here and you bet over seven and a half, you would have a nice plus 155 there. But we're down to the Buffalo Bills at pick number 25. They have Josh Allen for one more year at a very reasonable cap hit before that thing starts to take off, similar to what Patrick Mahomes is seeing. Now, that said, the salary cap itself is going to start to increase dramatically as well, moving into the future um, but this is the last year that they have Josh Allen on a cheap cap hit. Who do you think they take in the first round, Brendan? I know they've been linked to running back a lot least recently, but um, if I remember correctly, they were they were linked to running back in the first round last year as well, and I didn't really buy it last year, and I'm not going to buy it from a team like Buffalo again this year. I think they have bigger needs spe- specifically in the secondary. Uh, so one of the most versatile uh, defensive backs in the draft is Daxton Hill. Um, he can come in and, and play nickel corner right away. And then uh, they have uh, Jordan Poyer as a free agent after the season. So he's insurance uh, if he leaves uh, next offseason too. Okay, so that's safety number two off the board. And the safety prop was one and a half. Uh, with the over being juiced at minus 285. So we've got two going in the first 25. And that puts us down to the Tennessee Titans at number 26. And it might shock some people, but Ryan Tannehill has the largest cap hit of any player in the NFL this year. They've lost several offensive linemen. Uh, They need some help there, but they also need some help at other places, even though this was the number, the team with the number one seed in the AFC last year. Where do you think the Tennessee Titans go at pick 26, Ryan? This is a tough one because the board has also not fallen very well for them. Now, if they want a quarterback, Desmond Ritter is out there. That's definitely a possibility, and I had them going there in my last mock draft. Uh, I think I'm going to go a different direction, though, in this one um, based on a guy that's fallen down the board maybe a little bit further than a lot of people are expecting. That's Jordan Davis, uh, the nose tackle from Georgia. Um, he's a kind of a polarizing player because he tested so well at the combine. But um, when you look back at his production at Georgia, it's, it's sort of there in spurts, but he was playing, you know, regularly playing only 20 to 25 snaps per game. So if he falls this far, that's going to be the reason that teams are worried that he's just a first and second down run defender. Um, But for Tennessee, for one, we're down now at the back end of the first round. So there's not as much of a risk as some of those teams would be taking if you're drafting him like, you know, Seattle or Baltimore, or some other teams that much higher that have been potentially linked to him. So there's less of a risk. It also clearly fills a need. They need a nose tackle. They don't have a lot of depth there. Um, so it, it, the fact that it fits a need and also could be viewed as a value at this point in the draft, uh, I think that they would have to consider him if he is still on the board. Okay, so now we're down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, similar to the Tennessee Titans, this is obviously a a team that's been to the playoffs multiple years in a row, thanks to Tom Brady, who is back again, who has a much higher cap hit this year than he's had in years past. And it's also a team that has surprisingly many needs for this draft. So they're picking at number 27. Brendan, where do you think they're going to go? Yeah, they do have a couple of needs. I thought... um offensive line would be where they would go but what with uh, a lot of the top guys off I think they switched to the D line Um, I'm gonna go Logan Hall to uh, slide in next to Vita Vea there uh, defensive tackle okay so they nabbed Logan Hall and now it's back to the Green Bay Packers you made their pick Ryan at number 22 where they went Traylon Burks at wide receiver who do you think they're going to go to at number 28 
Yeah, so since they already grabbed wide receiver, um, there's not as much pressure on them with this pick. They can sort of take a best available player approach, I think. And so I think the direction they might go based on who's available would be Arnold Ebikady, a pass rusher from Penn State. Um, he's a guy that could come in. Maybe maybe isn't an every down player for them right away, but I do think that he would contribute as a pass rusher uh, in some sub packages immediately and certainly has the potential to grow into a much more well-rounded player. Okay, so they're going Ebikady there at pick number 28. Now we've got the Kansas City Chiefs, who are not used to having this much draft capital, uh, Brendan, and they are now picking two picks back-to-back in the first round, pick number 29 and then pick number 30. So where do you think they're going to go at pick number 29? Yeah, with two picks back-to-back, I, I expect them to address the pass game on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, most obvious is uh, filling a need uh, wide receiver with the departure of Tyree Kill. Um, I'm going to go with the consensus sixth wide receiver on the board, and that's Jahan Dotson. Okay, so Jahan Dotson, this is a guy that both of you guys, in fact, suggested that the Chiefs would take at number 29. And let me ask you this question. A lot of the mocks that I have seen have the Chiefs going since they picked back-to-back with a wide receiver first. And then at pick number 30, typically it's been a player on the defensive side of the ball, an edge rusher. We'll see if that's where Ryan ends up going here. But do you think that there is any specific reason why they would want to take that wide receiver first? Um, Because obviously you're going to end up paying slightly more at that draft position um, just because of where you're getting slotted. And of course, as we're betting on these players, uh, it does play into it when we're talking about these team draft specials and the exact position of the first player drafted. And for the Kansas City Chiefs, wide receiver is plus 120, but an edge or any other defensive lineman is all the way down at plus 300. So um, you would get a lot of value if they happen to select that edge player first. Ryan, any thought your last draft also showed Jahan Dotson going here, a wide receiver like Brendan's, as to why they might go with that wide receiver? Is there any chance that they would slip in this uh, defensive edge rusher? Yeah, I mean, if they stay put at those picks, you just flip a coin. I have no idea who's going to come off the board first. But if you were betting it, I think that there's, it would probably be safer to go betting with the wide receiver because because they do have some extra draft capital that they could trade up. And because there is sort of like a clear cut top five and then a bit of a drop off before you get to Dotson at six, and then a much bigger drop off once you get to seven, eight, nine, it would make a lot of sense for them to try to move up into like the late teens, early twenties to grab one of those top five, or just to make sure that they get Dotson, especially in the scenario that we created, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded up a few slots. Um, you know, like we have the fifth wide receiver coming off the board, where was it? The Packers at 22. Yep. Yeah. So knowing that you've got, you know, the Bills could maybe justify a receiver, the Titans could maybe justify a receiver. Maybe the Chiefs try to jump ahead of those guys. And if they do jump up for somebody, it's probably a wide receiver. So if you're betting, I would factor that into your equation and maybe lean wide receiver for their first pick. Um, but now that I'm on the clock making the decision for them at number 30, they've got a lot of great options on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the player I'm going to go with is David Ojabo. Uh, the same guy that I have them in my most recent mock draft, uh, the pass rusher from Michigan, who a couple months ago we were talking about being maybe being a top 10 pick until he had the Achilles injury. My reason for not projecting him to drop out of the first round is if you're a team like the Chiefs, you have no intention of ever owning a pick inside the top 20 for the next 10 years, ideally. So you don't get an opportunity to add a David Ojabo to, on a rookie contract to your roster. This is your shot. He's injured, and you might not get him for this year, but then you've got him for four more years after that on his rookie contract. This is your chance to add a premier player with a draft pick. And for in the next foreseeable future, you don't anticipate ever having a shot at a player like this again. So I think they're a team that's going to probably be willing to uh, bite the bullet on maybe getting no production from him for a year, knowing that you just don't they don't get opportunities to draft this type of talent. Okay, so Ojabo goes at pick number 30. It is interesting to note, you mentioned the trade-up potential for the Chiefs. It seems like the logical teams that they would want to jump right there obviously are the Packers and the Cardinals. And then, like you mentioned, you do have the Titans in that mix as well, So, and the Cowboys potentially. So 
I think the Patriots, that team that has been willing to trade down, you know the Steelers may be desperate to grab a quarterback there at 20, so they probably are less likely. Uh, but you could either go that second pick for the Saints. The Eagles have traded down in the past. If, if Kyle Hamilton was there and it is a need for them, probably less likely for them to be willing to trade back. But those teams, the Eagles, the Saints, and, and then the Patriots, certainly teams that could be in the mix for the Chiefs to pair up with as draft partners there. Okay. Now we've got the. Just, just quickly super... to that point. Yep. Um, I think that is the logic behind because um, the, the chief to draft a wide receiver first um, is the heavy's favorite. They are plus plus one twenty to draft a wide receiver first, whereas defensive lineman and edge is plus 300 and defensive back is plus plus three fifty. So I think that's the logic. Cause they, as you said, they have all three of those needs and it's kind of a coin flip, which one do they stay at 29 and 30. As kind of a coin flip as which one they they would pick first, but I think that's the logic as to why wide receiver is such a heavy favorite is because they are definitely a team that could target somebody with a trade up. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. So now we're down to the Super Bowl runner up, the Cincinnati Bengals, picking up pick thirty one. Brendan, where do you think they're rolling? Yeah, they've done. I mean, we saw we all saw in the Super Bowl in their run towards it that their biggest liability was offensive line. They've done a great job of addressing that. Um, this off season, one of the additions they made was Ted Karras, who um, can play center or left guard. He played left guard last year for the Patriots. So they have the ability to to keep him there at left guard and then just kind of round out their last piece on the offensive line with uh, Tyler Linderbaum. Okay, so we did get that eighth offensive lineman in here at the end with Tyler Linderbaum. Now we are to the Lions, the final pick of the first round. There's been rumors that they could go quarterback here. You get this player with the fifth-year option. I will note that although that's a great selling point for wanting to take a quarterback here, most of these quarterbacks you're not using that fifth-year option on. And if you do end up using that fifth-year option, it's because you're in quarterback purgatory, basically, and you don't think this guy's your guy but you don't really have another great option. And so you're using that fifth year option. Otherwise you're going to try to extend him before then to save some money because the fifth year option obviously costs a lot. Now, I guess in Lamar Jackson's situation, who was a late trade up, uh, they are using that fifth year option wisely. Uh, I will say though, if they didn't have the fifth year option, you know, Lamar would have just gone and they would have uh, extended him by this point in time anyway. So the Detroit Lions here, Ryan, the final pick of our mock draft, where do you think they go? Yeah, I mean, like you said, quarterback is certainly an option. It could also be an option for somebody to trade up if, if somebody else likes a quarterback here. But there's certainly going to be that discussion, especially since we only have two off the board so far. Um, so you know, there are teams out there who like Ritter and have a first-round grade on him. So Based on this scenario, it would not shock me at all if either Detroit, if they happen to be one of the teams that like him, or somebody else trades into this slot. Because obviously there is some value in getting that uh, fifth-year option. Not necessarily for the fifth year specifically. It's really about like the third, fourth year. You don't have to make a decision after year three if you have the fourth, year, if you have the fifth-year option. You can make a decision after year four and then do the extension. Whereas you know, otherwise it's after year three and you're entering in the final year of the contract you're, you're kind of forced to make a decision at that point, which teams like to try to avoid, um, especially when you're drafting the quarterbacks in this class who you've got basically zero expectations for any of these guys in year one. So you're going to be entering year two just learning about them for the first time. So this, this is a year where maybe that option matters more than most if you're considering quarterback. And Good but point. In, in this scenario, I'm not going to go quarterback. I've had that in my mock draft at some point. It's certainly a possibility for the Lions, but – there's two Georgia defenders still on the board, um, linebacker Nakobe Dean and safety Lewis Seen, who I think are both going to be uh, Dan Campbell type of players who have gotten rave reviews throughout the interview process and from the Georgia staff. I'll go with Lewis Seen. He feels a little bit more of a need, I think. Uh, he's played a lot in the deep secondary for them. Detroit does a lot of two safety looks uh, last year, but he has some flexibility. He's good against the run. He can come up into the box. I think he's the type of guy that Dan Campbell would love to have as a leader on his defense. Okay. So that rounded out the first round. What I do like to do is then go back and look at some of these things. We got it up on the screen where we can compare EDP expected draft position to what you guys actually did as well as the prop. So it looks like one of the guys that we 
drafted much earlier than he's currently being forecast is Logan Hall there, the defensive tackle, filling that need on the defensive line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also going much earlier than other people on Tyler Smith, the offensive lineman out of Tulsa. His draft prop is 31 and a half. You have him going off the board at pick number 19, uh, 10 and a half positions earlier than expected based upon mock drafts. We also are early on Zion Johnson. Uh, he's His draft prop is 24 and a half. We have him going to the Chargers at 17 and earlier than his expected draft position, uh, as well as Chris Olave, who is going number 11 to the Washington Commanders in our scenario here. So in all these scenarios, we're going earlier on those specific players, multiple offensive linemen going earlier in our mock draft. Then some of the guys that are slipping later, naturally, we've got Malik Willis. He is slipping. His draft prop is 10 and a half. We've got Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC. His draft prop is 10 and a half, but his expected draft position, there's a big discrepancy between those two. The mock drafters are slating him right around 16 and a half, but the draft prop is all the way up at 10 and a half. Um, and you guys are agreeing with more of the mock drafters in that he is not going to be that top 10 draft pick. You guys are also lower on Kyle Hamilton. Obviously, we discussed about the Eagles grabbing him as he was slipping down the board in the first round. His draft prop was 10 and a half. His expected draft position was 11.7. He goes off the board at pick number 18. The guy who slips the most in our draft is Jordan Davis. He had an expected draft position of 16 and a half. He's going at pick number 26 to the Titans. His prop is 15 and a half. So he's slipping down the board tremendously uh, there as well. And of course, Kenny Pickett there with a 12 and a half draft prop, and he is going pick number 22, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So with all this laid out in front of you guys, um, let me throw this question out. Lost two questions. First, who is the biggest surprise? whether he goes, he went too early or too late in this mock draft, the way this scenario is playing out. And then I'll follow it up with one more question. So Brandon, go ahead, go first. Which of these guys is the biggest surprise for you? Uh, Jordan Davis for me, I, I'd have a hard time seeing him fall all the way to 26. I do think he's going to end up somewhere closer to that draft prop position. There's a lot of teams in that spot, Eagles, Ravens, Texans, um, chargers that could all use him. So I, I don't expect him to fall quite that far on draft night. Okay. And Ryan, same question. Yeah, I think Kyle Hamilton is probably a little bit more surprising to me um, just because once you get just slightly outside of the top 10, there's a bunch of teams that could justify him uh, filling maybe not a primary need, but a secondary need. And then also just once you get into that range, the value starts to become part of the conversation. So this team, Washington could take him, Minnesota could take him, Houston, uh, maybe even Baltimore. And then obviously, like eventually, we had him landing with Philadelphia. So uh, I don't think I don't think he's going to fall any further than we had him. But you know, if he does fly outside the top ten, there's a, there's a lot of good options for him. Okay. And then my second question is: We've discussed this briefly, but which team do you think would be most disappointed in themselves and the way the draft fell if they walk away in the first round with this particular? selection who was hoping for a better player but the draft board broke a poor way for them and they wound up with somebody that they didn't necessarily love as much as they should drafting in the first round I'll go with you Ryan first on that one yeah I guess I would have to say probably the Bucks. I mean if they're drafting Logan Hall they're purely drafting based off need um and the fact that Dominican Sue is a free agent and they need to plug somebody in there, that would be purely a, a need-based selection for them, especially if the draft played out and they're staring at Jordan Davis potentially falling to them. I think that would maybe be a little bit easier to justify uh, that you're blending need and value if Davis slid one slot further than we had him. Um, but, you know, because they're a Super Bowl contender, sometimes those teams do draft for need. So it's definitely, it was a realistic pick by Brendan. But I, I do think that it could be a pick you look back at a couple of years down the road is saying like, yeah, that, that there really wasn't a lot of long-term value there. And that would be especially brutal if Dor Jordan Davis is plummeting down the board and you think you might be able to get him. And then he goes to the team right in front of you. Uh, let's go to you, Brendan, which team do you think is going to be the most disappointed if the draft goes this way? 
Uh, I'm going to go Chargers. I think um, they would much prefer uh, to fill the need at right tackle than right guard at 17. I think if it falls that way, um, especially with the top four receivers off the board as well, um, they would um, most likely rather trade back than than stay at 17 and, and take a guard. Okay. Okay. Very fair. Well, we have so much more draft content for you guys over the course of the rest of this week up at truckfootballanalysis.com. Be sure to tune in next Thursday morning where you can find Ryan and Brandon's final mock drafts as they enter them into the mock draft contest over at the Huddle Report. So check in on Thursday to see those and good luck consuming the rest of the content and preparing for the draft this Thursday. It's going to be a great, great week.